Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Hey, everybody. Uh, interesting pandemic we have, isn't it? That's not what this this one's about. We actually have a fabulous one today, you know, for a change. Andrew Zimmern uh, is my guest. Andrew is a chef. He is an award winning chef, but he's also an award-winning food personality. I didn't know there were awards for that, but he's he's won the James Beard Award. He got it for being a food personality. And I think he's won it a, a two or three times. And he's a great food personality, he really is. And now he's got a, a documentary series on MSNBC called What's Eating America. And it's um, it's about food. And, um, oh, things like climate and immigration and health. Turns out that what you eat impacts your health. It's a really fascinating interview. Again, you know, for a change. But first, um, I want to turn to, well, I guess our health. You know, soon after Trump became president, I just kept saying to anyone who who would listen, especially to my Republican colleagues in the Senate at that time, I'd say to them, you know, one day Donald Trump as president is going to face a crisis and that the most important asset that a president can bring to a crisis is his credibility. And as we face this unknowable horrible pandemic trump has he has no credibility you know he started lying on day 1 he made his poor press secretary go out the first day and lie about the size of his crowd oh man how pathetic really and sean spicer did it he just went <laughs> say okay that's my job i guess so easily provable lie, but Donald Trump could not, just couldn't stand the idea that Barack Obama had a, a larger crowd than him. And so uh, they put out this thing called uh, Alternative Facts, which is that we learned that that day from Kellyanne Conway. And that's what we've been getting ever since. Alternative Facts. Facts, uh, what I used to call lies. I, I wrote a book in uh, 2003 entitled Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them, A Fair and Balanced Look at the Right. And I titled that because I was uh, writing about these liars. 
Uh, before that, I wrote a book entitled Rush Limbaugh is a Big Fat Idiot and Other Observations. Rush Limbaugh just got the Presidential Medal of Freedom, a distinction he shares with Cesar Chavez, Mother Teresa, and the crew of Apollo 13. Of course, uh, Rush Limbaugh got the award because without Rush Limbaugh, there really would be no President Donald Trump. Anyway, we cannot trust a word this guy says, and everybody knows it. And you know what? Everybody was sort of fine with it in a way. They are going like, we know he lies. He lies so often that you can't keep track of them. There's no point in keeping track of them. If he comes up with a spectacular lie in his morning tweets, there's three more before the evening. They just wash over you. But then a crisis happens. And I thought it might be a war, but it's this. And I don't know the extent of this crisis. We don't. We really kind of don't. It's very frightening. It is very serious uh, for all those are going to die. Some of you, I, I'm i sure, uh, have investments in the stock market and have taken a big hit. And if that is your retirement or something, uh, that's, that's bad. It's hard. It's affecting our economy, obviously. It's really going to affect people who are struggling, who have to work. Maybe their job isn't there anymore. What are they going to do? They're living at the margins as it is. What are they going to do with their kids? Their kids who, whose school might have closed. And that's, that's where they counted on getting lunch and breakfast. A lot of people are looking at, including me, including the, their net value going down. This is a time, this is a time, it's easy for me to say, I guess, to be generous. This is a, this is a worldwide pandemic. This is a crisis. This is a, a time when we really have to do a gut check and, you know, care about those who are really, really getting hit by this thing. Anyway, we've got Andrew Zimmern, and it's a great one, you know, for a change. You may not remember this, but the very first time that we ever did anything on TV, on radio, any media, mm-hmm. was when your uh, Lion Liars book yeah. came out. Oh, okay. I don't remember this. Many years ago. Yeah. The reason that I'm in television is, is thanks to a segment you and I did. In those days, you're on welcome. Local, thank you. In those days, in local <laughs> TV, I was working at, uh, it wasn't even Fox Holy then. crap. It was the Channel 9 you, you, O&O. If, you know, you don't mean that, but if you do no, mean, I do mean that, that. Okay, well, you owe me some, some kind of residual. We'll work that out. 
Amazing props. Okay, yes. go. go so, ahead. and we had a morning show, and you came on, and the conceit was you would be interviewed at 745, and then at eight, the 8 o'clock hour, you would actually co-host, right? Mm-hmm. And so you did some segments, you tossed to weather, you were- This is in Minneapolis yes, for everybody. This is 18, 17 years ago, however sure. many years? sure. And- uh, I was the food features reporter, and it was a Friday, and every Friday I would be in studio doing a recipe. And I made my grandmother's auflauf, which is like a Dutch baby pancake. It crawls up the sides, it's Ooh, battered. The Dutch it's in a love pan. their pancakes, They man. do. They toss to us, and you were my quote-unquote sous chef in the kitchen, and mm-hmm. I introduced this dish, auflauf, and I said that's German for get out, which because the, the, the pancake literally climbs up out of the pan. And you proceeded to do... The rest of the segment in made-up German. Yeah, natürlich. Yes. Yeah. Ich habe zwei deutschen Hochschüler gelernt. Zwei Malapels auf, bitte. Guten Morgen, Chef Andrew. Guten Morgen, Al. Ja, was haben wir hier? Und first in the Pannen hatten. Ja. Mit the Batter. Oh, ja, natürlich. Mit the Butter. Ah, the Butter. Ah, ist gut, ja? Ja, für you in German, Butter is Butter. And anyway, that clip, I used that. We had a, a f- enough, I was able to cobble together enough seconds where I actually looked pretty decent too. And that was my reel that got me in the door at Travel Channel. And I'm convinced amongst three or four other little pieces of my life that without that piece of tape, I would not be it? sitting here today. Oh, yeah, we do. It's, we have it on those giant, remember those giant cassettes they used to record everything? Oh, yeah, on, like I mean, uh, three quarter inch. Yeah. I, yeah. I still have it in the office. I think we put it onto uh, disc. I'll send it to you. You were, it was hysterical. You're doing the show What's Eating America yep, on MSNBC. Wonderful, wonderful hour long docs mm-hmm. on these issues regarding <laughs> food. It's it's politics and civics and social justice issues seen through the lens of food. Sometimes it very directly in the case of our climate change show where we literally went to. Food people, farmers, chefs, etc., and show the impact that climate has on what they're doing, specifically on things we eat, whether it was apples, different species of fish, oysters coming out of Apalachicola Bay. Now, you didn't? Did you do meat? We did some. Stayed away from meat. No, no, no. We we wanted <laughs> we wanted to do meat's an issue. You well, you know how it is when you have forty two minutes. You know, you're we shoot for eight nine days. Sure. We 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 could have cut three hour long segments on climate and food and in the second third fourth seasons and i hope we have many many more years of doing this show we're going to keep coming back to climate and food because it's such an all-encompassing issue but we do addiction and health and that was a very moving uh, oh thank you show it really was thank you you're a recovering drug addict yes and alcoholic and very alcoholic. proudly yeah 20 okay. 28 years and uh, a month and a week and a half today. So do you go to NA and AA or do you just... Uh... Well, what we... I, I found recovery in a 12-step program and... Uh, you don't, don't want to say it because... Well, here's the here's the thing. I really... I'm old-fashioned kind of, you know... Oh, anonymity. Book-thumper, anonymity guy. Yeah, absolutely. And so people always say to me all the time... Well, you know what? 
people know yes. you're an addict. Yes, and and an alcoholic. <laughs> I'm very outspoken about it. I've been okay. talking about it for 20 years. Of course, that, that barn. What yeah. I always do is tell them that I am a, a regular attendee of a 12-step group. And Fair the enough. reason that I don't want to mention it specifically is none of us should ever be spokespeople for that group. It's worked for 80-some-odd right. years. Yes, and one of the people can put it together that I drank a lot Okay, and I'm guessing. Attend a twelve-step group. I'm I can guessing. neither confirm nor deny. Okay, and, you're not uh, wrong. <laughs> that's actually confirming. Oh, I is hate it? to tell oh, my, you that. Oh my gosh, you got me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look. The, here's the other thing. One of the things that's loosened up for me over yeah. the years is that you know I used to think that the only way someone could get sober is the way that I got sober because that was my experience, and I now. Look at it completely differently. Whatever, I mean, if someone sits on the top of a hill and has a white light spiritual experience and then because they do yoga and become a parent, it changes their life and they never go back to the the, the gutter again, or the, yeah. fantastic. Because, you know, the problem isn't the substance, as you well know. I'm not concerned today that I'm going to pick up a drink. I'm concerned that I'm going to be an asshole to someone. I'm concerned that and I'm going that's to That's a huge concern of yeah, yours, I know. Yes, and I, and I'm going to <laughs> I I don't it, it's the behaviors and the other things associated with it. The alcohol and the drugs for me were a symptom of a bigger problem. And that's why I work so much on my emotional sobriety as well and try to go away somewhere every year for 4 or 5 days and do some workshops and tune-ups and things and just try to keep the ship pointed in the right direction. Well, I go to a 12-step program mm-hmm. and uh if you went to this 12-step program, you would not have any idea what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is as accurate and wonderful a description of all the 12-step programs that I've attended over the years as there is, because we're talking about the issues of our lives. Right. And so uh, I remember doing a uh, six-step is being mm-hmm. ready to turn, fully ready, mm-hmm. completely to turn your... Uh, faults or defects yes. over to yes. to God or defects of character. Yeah, and um, and I I was sitting in this meeting, going like, if someone came in here, they would not know what this is. Yeah, they were just talking, people talking yeah. about how I'm trying to get rid of this thing and how I hold on to this defect. Mm-hmm. Which is it's the best me. I tell people all the time the best meetings I go to are the ones where, you know, booze is or drugs are never mentioned. And the the conversation is really about how we're living our lives today and what the best way is to stay right sized and not break out into, you know, a rash of egomania or self-centered behavior or any of the other things that are really destructive for people None of or which resentment. I do. All those, you know, that's that's why the six steps are very hard for me. Because <laughs> there's really nothing to give up. But I think that's also why a lot of people and and a lot of uh, normies hear this is that um, a lot of whaties normies people who are don't, normal, yeah, the the normal folks. Okay, there's um, no one who's normal, by the way. That's well, that's the point of what I'm I'm about to to tell you. <laughs> Is that I think everyone is well served by using these spiritual principles and practices from the Oxford group and from some 19th century uh, religious groups that actually started to get into things like inventory, 
very few people take the time to actually map out their lives and say to themselves, wow, this is what got me here. Here's what got me into trouble. Maybe I ought to avoid those four or five things on this list. You've been through the 28-day or whatever it was. I was a little longer. I was very sick when I came in. So I had five, six days on the hospital unit at Ignatia. I had 33, 34 days on the unit. And then I went down to Fellowship Club in St. Paul. Which is the halfway house. Correct. And they said to you, okay, you have to get a job right away. You have five working days to get a job. If you don't get a job within five days, you're out. And so I did the easiest thing I could. I walked into the director's office. (laughs) I walked into the director's... It's funny, some people do. Uh, I walked into the director's office... the only thing I know how to do. They said get a job. Yeah, and that old skill set comes in so handy. Um, I walked into the director's office, and I was so self-absorbed. I I literally sat down and I said, look, I said, you know, I'm a culinarian from New York City, and I have this company, and this guy did this, I did that, and here's my uh, QV, and I'm going to take over food service here at Fellowship Club. It's 60 people. I can handle it. I can do it cheaper than whatever you're paying to the food service company that's handling this. We're going to employ people in the home. I'm going to teach them skills. I had this whole plan. I said, and for the dirt, you know, rock bottom Sounds price a little of whatever, you know, me. like $10,000 a week, I'll be able to do this for you. And he looked at me and he said, do you know where you're supposed to be right now? And I was like, trying to get a job. And he looked at me, he said, get your ass to group. And literally hit a number like the queen in the crown and someone came in and escorted me out of his office and he's my friend today and i still joke he i mean he still remembers that which is pretty hysterical i ended up going to i got a job washing dishes at a a diner coffee shop on snelling avenue i washed toilets and jails for a day and then that really motivated me to get out and beat the pavement and i finally i got a job i went to every little restaurant. I took the bus up to Snelling Avenue and just walked and someone there hired me as a dishwasher. And so I washed dishes there and uh, helped prep food for, I don't know, three, four months. This until, is Undu Trois? Uh, no. The, oh. the, this was before I went to Undu Trois. Then Undu Trois opened in- Which, uh, for the listener, means one, two, three in French. May we. Famous theater district bistro in New York for 40 years that opened an outpost in uh, the Twin Cities in uh, 92. And I went to Undertois. I heard Undertois was opening. And I knew the French owners, George and Gerard, from Sag Harbor and East Hampton days and from <laughs> running around. So I had heard oh, from friends. <laughs> I had heard from friends, hey, this restaurant is opening in the Fauché Tower. So I went down and I put in my application because I figured I'm going to go from a decent dishwashing job to a dishwashing job where I'm going to get an extra buck or two an hour. And they hired me as a dishwasher right away. And I was there for about two weeks. And one day, one of the turnants uh, called in sick. The what? Uh, um, he was the grill cook, but a, a fellow who worked the different stations in okay. the, in the okay. restaurant. I don't know and, the world. Yeah, it's a fancy uh, food term. I raised my hand. I went up to the chef and I said, I can work that guy's station. And he literally said, you're a dishwasher. Go back to washing dishes. And an hour later, they were panicking because the restaurant, as you remember back in those times, was extremely popular. We were doing hundreds and hundreds of covers at lunch. It would just fill up all at once. It was across the street from a couple of big ad agencies. It was like a big deal restaurant uh, at the time in the Twin Cities. And they're having these panicking meetings right in front of me, you know, because they don't want to talk in front of the cooks. They come over near the dishwashing station. But every day for two weeks, I had looked down the line and I saw what this guy was making. And so I had memorized all the food after like three days. Wasn't very complex. Simple bistro fare. We should back up after you finish the story to what 
before you um, went to Minnesota, what highly your career accomplished was, culinarian, yes. all New York, Paris, Hong Kong, Italy, um, Michelin starred restaurants, the whole nine yards. Yes. I'm sitting there and I'm leaving. Finally, with like 20 minutes before lunch service, and they're trying to cobble together like they're going to take this guy's like 10 dishes on his station and divide it up between other people. And I walked up to the owner and the chef were talking. I said, look, I said, I've worked in a lot of restaurants. If you divide it up, it's not going to work. You're, you're, you're spreading out the pain. What you want to do is you want to localize the pain. And if the person needs help who's taking over that station, then people can chip in. That's why we have a team. That's why you have this many people in the kitchen. Don't spread out the misery because then you're not going to be able to put out the fire if one starts. And the owner kind of looked at me and I said, I can cook this guy's station. I wouldn't tell you if I couldn't. And they're like, well, it's, you know, the, the steak frites and the calves liver with mustard sauce and the blah, 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 blah. And I said, yeah, I got it. Well, it's the salmon with rat tattoo. I'm like, I got it. You know, and his station had been prepped up all morning long by prep cooks and everyone like that. So the dinner, the lunch bell rings and I go in and I put out the lunch from my station. After the service was over, the owner of the restaurant calls me into his office and sits me down and says, can you please explain to me why my dishwasher just put out better food than my chef does when he's working a station? And I'm like, well, I've, you know, got food experience and I've been cooking you for 20 said, years. Have you have you talked to the other dishwasher? Because <laughs> you think I'm good. He's, he's amazing. He's amazing. Uh, and so he literally offered me a job right away. And I said, I can't. I'm living in a halfway house. I'll be back every day at 4 o'clock. I said, but I'm leaving here in uh, six weeks. Uh, or I'm leaving the halfway house in six weeks. And we can talk then. And literally six weeks and a day later... I was hired as the chef in the restaurant, and within a month, I had replaced almost every cook there with uh, people in recovery in the Twin Cities because there's kind of an underground railroad from New York, L.A., San Francisco, Miami. To Hazelden? To Hazelden, and so many incredible culinarians, I mean, really accomplished people— struggle with addiction and alcoholism and they would come through and I would hear from friends in the culinary world, hey, so-and-so's at Center City. I would go up on Sunday and visit them and say, look, if you stay, et cetera, I, I will hire you. And we put together, I mean, literally an all-star band. And for the five, six, seven years, whatever, six years that I was the chef at Undetois, the reason we were the best restaurant in the Twin Cities, maybe in all of Minnesota, was because I had the best cooks some of the best cooks in America cooking yeah, there. They were all in the first couple months of recovery, and we would have meetings in the back. It was the best food job I, I've ever had for that reason because we were all really focused on recovery. And because of that, we were really focused on helping each other get through the day. And no one drank in the kitchen. There was less boorish behavior, uh, something that's plagued our industry. There was... Uh, a lot less of the 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 sexism and the emotional denial. We were still guilty of a lot of it because we had a lot of old white guys in there calling myself out uh, most of all. Um, but that's where I really started to learn to change my behavior, not just from a recovery standpoint, but when when my partner, because I ended up becoming a partner in the restaurant, uh, came to me and said, you know, there's a line out the door of people trying to get in here to work with you because you're really talented. But I struggle every day with people who want to leave because of your vacillating behavior. And it, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm 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 working the principles of recovery outside of work and I need to practice them inside of work. And it was actually that dissonance that led me to leave kitchens because I didn't trust myself. Um 
and try to see what else I could do that would sync up more with the lifestyle that I was leading and trying to pursue in meetings and learning in the 12 steps. And so I got a job, a part-time job working at a magazine, a TV station, and a radio station. I thought, okay, there's this food media world's about to explode. You could just see it. You could feel it in my industry. I said, I really need to learn the language of radio and television and writing. And I had gone to good schools, but having a refresher course with a great editor in Minneapolis on how to read, write, and think critically, learning in radio, which was such a great job, doing drive time radio and Saturday cooking shows and stuff, I learned you've got to be the same human being at 3.05 as you are at 4.05 and 5.05. People are tuning in for 20, 30 minutes, and you got to be... You have to be on and you have to have the same personality, the same cadence. Editors appreciate that in the TV world because if you're cranky one day and happy the next, it really doesn't cut very well together. And uh, I learned how to write there again, working for Minneapolis St. Paul magazine. And then eventually the the I grew into doing guest spots on national shows. Then I got regular well, you, work you had on national my coming shows. In. Well, that was it. I had a piece of tape with you, literally, that was my calling card. I would show people because what it, everyone knew I could cook on TV because a lot of tape on that. But we, we sat there while the thing was in the oven and basically did shtick for, I mean, I just followed you and I did shtick. Yeah. And I danced (laughs) along beside you. Yeah. Um, You were Carl Reiner. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes, I was. Yeah. Yes, I was. Um, so, yeah, that was I mean, that's really what happened. I, I one thing led to another. Then I started getting more tape that I could push around. OK, we're just going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back with Andrew Zimmer. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You, you did a show on addiction, and a lot of it was on the food industry and chefs. Yes. And I noticed, uh, and, and obviously, being a chef and... There's a lot of alcohol around it, and and yeah, there's. But it, it was it, so. It, I noticed that there are a lot of people, uh, a lot of chefs, addicted uh, to drugs and alcohol and to tattoos. Yeah, I yes. saw that and that. My God. Yeah, we invented them. I think you did. Yeah, we we we. If we didn't invent them, we we sort of hold the record for you know most square inches of body covered. The problem with uh, 
I think the perception of alcoholism is that you have to be adjacent to it. Um, anyone can go out and find the booze. Yeah, um, you can find it in anywhere. Society. I mean, you want to get drunk in prison? It's easy. You know, you want to get drunk in jail? It's easy. I mean, you can you can make your own booze on a desert island. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's the lifestyle, it's mm-hmm. the pressure, it's the uh, it's the nod of approval that I mean, when I was coming up, not only were were we doing drugs on the line because it could fuel you on your 14-hour shift and get you to work harder, right, stimulants and things like that. But then after work, you got a shift drink, right? That was just part of the ritual of ending the work day. So you'd go out to the bar, you'd get your shift drink, but these were bartenders that you were working with and sending food to all day long because the bartenders in the middle of the night would be, I'm on a 10-minute break. You know, can I get something to eat? And you'd sneak them something and knowing that later on that night, they'd sneak you a couple extra drinks. So the the lifestyle it perpetuate, well, it perpetuated the the abuse, the sexism, the, the every bad part of our industry. The thing that I'm sort of proudest of with the restaurant uh, industry is after many years, and rightfully so, of taking a ton of shit about what we've been doing wrong for 30 years. Um, I can't think of another industry that's pivoted more quickly into wellness than than the restaurant industry. We still have a long way to go. We have a lot of inequities to make right. Um, but, oh, my gosh, is it being addressed, talked about, and changed every single day in our industry? It's really quite something. We have, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction is twice uh, the percentage in the hospitality industry as it is outside of it. Uh, suicide is double the rate uh, inside the restaurant industry than outside of it. And so it's something that we really needed to take a really good, long, hard look at. Believe it or not, uh, in show business... Uh, there's a lot of addiction. Yeah, tons. Um, that I noticed. Yeah, and and for a lot of and very use. similar and for a lot of very similar reasons as well. Yeah, the schedule, the pressure. Yeah, and also it's a coping mechanism. You know, uh, food is the number one antidepressant in the world, right? But and a lot of people, and that's why there's a lot of twelve strap groups for that. We have right. a, you know, fifty percent of Americans are overweight. I think it's like thirty seven percent are statistically obese. I mean, it's the healthcare situation. You're doing going to do a show on sort of on the diet on that aspect that, that's coming up. So yeah, we we have a lot of lot of room to go in there. But you know, not everyone is a star in the food business or in show business. The struggle, the the message that society gives you that it's it's not okay just to be in the middle and be average if you haven't gotten your 15 minutes of fame or 45 minutes or 10 years or 20 years, then somehow you uh, chose the wrong profession or you're somehow a failure, I think sends a lot of messages. We also like the restaurant industry. There are a lot of people who have been traumatized by situations within their lives growing up that gravitate towards certain businesses, right, simply because they know that they want to join that same island of broken toys subconsciously because they know that they're going to find acceptance there. Well, I was, I have to say, probably the best adjusted, well-adjusted person at Saturday Night Live. There were a lot of drugs uh, yes. at the, uh, during yes. that, that first uh, yes. period. Yes. And um, and several know, alums from there have all come through Center City, some who are no longer with us, some yeah. who are. Yeah, and we lost uh, we lost Belushi. That's when yep. everyone realized, oh, I see. Yeah. This is really serious. Yeah. 
and we lost Farley, who yeah. tried, tried, and tried. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he must have been the ten rehab. We lived in the same building uh, in New York City for about uh, nine months. Um, I ended up getting kicked out and wound up going homeless for my last year before I sobered up. And we'd see each other in the elevator at like five in the morning, six in the morning, and just give each other that nod, like, mm. "Yeah, we're the we're the two we're the two drunks in the building." And he didn't know who I was. I obviously knew who he was. Then, oh gosh, a year and three months, year and four months later, he showed up in Minnesota. Uh, I'm, I mean, this is all well documented in a lot of places. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I'm not spreading any gossip. I, you know, but he was, and so I got to know him as he was in in a recovery period in his life. And he was many was times. I, I wrote a piece for him, basically uh-huh. called. The relapse guy, <laughs> and the whole the thing was it was uh, the scene was Tim Meadows is a counselor at a rehab uh-huh. and it's the exit thing speech with the family there, sure. And they're saying and he's saying this time he has it, he's got it right, and they're just completely skeptical uh, the family because they've been through this before and uh, he gets a job as an organ courier. <laughs> you cut to. <laughs> <laughs> the surgical suite, and they're waiting for the liver. And, fantastic. And Chris shows up very late, yeah, very drunk, with a cooler, and he pulls out just some packaged calves liver <laughs> that he got from a grocery store. He lost the liver, yeah, and then collapses on the table, and he just kept. <laughs> And we did one of those. And he just kept saying, uh, more relapse guy. <laughs> and he was the sweetest guy. Yeah, he was amazing. And he tried and tried and tried. And yeah. it's, um, it's... And that's that's why we need it. And, and, and the, the point of our addiction episode that just aired the other week, and, and I'm sure is in reruns right now for people, and they can go to msnbc.com and click on What's Eating America and can be directed to watching it online there. We try to stay in the solution for people because there's so many folks we lost. Yes, there's all the public people, but there are oh, tens of thousands every month. We're losing so many people, especially with today's opioid crisis. I mean, you know, booze is more available than it ever was before. You know, opioids, you know, we went through that era. I mean, thankfully now, knock on wood, the drug dealers with lab coats on, you know, the doctors who were just writing endless amounts of scripts. That's being policed a little better. But we still have such a problem because the drugs these days are so strong. The weed these days is so strong. The access to all of this is is everywhere still. And the the solutions treatment. <laughs> are not are, are not being taken advantage of. And because of the healthcare situation in this country, in, in terms of insurance, when I went to Hazelin 28 years ago, uh, a significant portion of my cost of going to treatment was paid for by insurance that my friends and family were willing to keep paying behind my back for a couple of years. I was disappeared at this point. Several of my mother thought I was dead. My father certainly thought I was dead. Um, a lot of friends just thought I disappeared and hoped I wasn't dead, what people were willing to still call themselves my friends. And when I resurfaced, sure enough, the, Hazel and checked and I was still enrolled uh, because they had been paying my, my COBRA or whatever, you know, after I left my last job. This is a policy that covered addiction. That's exactly and right. Because 
you know, uh, Paul Wellstone oh. and Pete Domenici did yes. the bill yep. that passed after, uh, long after Paul died. Yep. I was very political as a young kid with my mother. We marched, you know, I'm born in 61, so I went through all of those things uh, in the 60s along with my parents. Uh, but when I moved to Minnesota and uh, got a chance to get involved with a bunch of people like Jim Ramstead, like Paul yep. Wellstone, all these folks and sort of let, got let me explain woke a little to bit this about idea. This. Uh, Jim Ramstead, a Republican. Correct. Liberal Republican, yes. and yes. Uh, these days I don't think Great he congressman. could be a Republican. Yep. He represented the 3rd District, which is uh, suburban Minneapolis, and he worked on this. This is mental health parity and addiction Correct. and treatment parity. And uh, Paul and uh, Pete Domenici mm -hmm. uh, did it in the Senate, yep. also bipartisan. This is a bipartisan issue. It should be. It affects everyone. But let me tell you. That in the ACA, in the Affordable Care Act, there is mental health parity. Yes. And Trump has taken the suit by the state's uh, attorneys general, which would make the ACA unconstitutional because the, they, they claim because the mandate's gone, it's unconstitutional, and the, and the Supreme Court has taken it. That would get rid of parity. Correct. And and what's more, by the time everything got passed, and as it's been diluted in, or or you know, I call it getting kicked to death by rabbits, the teeth of that are really uh, have a lot of it has been taken out. I mean, right on down to the fact that we no longer have in public school systems counselors to look at emotionally troubled kids. We wonder why we're having so much problem. Why teen suicide rates have risen? You know, the you know, place that that we can identify these things is by putting professionals in schools. And it's not just addiction. It's other harmful ways that children can uh, develop uh, horrific habits and things. We, you know, a lot of studies have been done and it is a little bit of a cliche to say so, but it is so, so, so true. It's like the health and wellness issue with food that we have coming up. You can either pay the doctor, or you, which is more expensive, or you can pay the farmer and save money. We can't afford not to change how we eat, and it's the same thing with drugs and alcohol. We can't afford not to address this with mental health parity laws that get people into treatment, that get them into diversion programs that work, which we document in the show. These Instead things work. Prison, Instead of, of putting them in the, in the have system. Have drug courts. Have drug courts. I um, put in the reform of No Child Left Behind, mm -hmm. a mental health and schools piece. And I got that from Minnesota. Washburn, they have this thing where they teach every adult in the school, from the bus driver to the principal, from the lunch ladies to the teacher, yeah. kind of what it looks like when a kid may have a mental health issue. That's right. That's why you need professionals. Then they say to a professional, whether it's a social That's worker right. or a counselor or a psychologist or a therapist, some of them have therapists, and say, will you see this kid? And they they interview the kid, and they, if they decide that the student has needs treatment. Yeah. What we're asking now, when you sort of look at what the current administration wants our teachers to do, they want them to be able to, you know, do a module on 19th century American history, uh, become a, uh, a SWAT team member if uh, someone invades the school, and then also become a uh, psychologist uh, if a child has a problem. And by the way, this is all at a time where we're paying them so little and stocking their classrooms with so little, they don't 
<laughs> we're interrupting their target run for magic markers. I mean, it is horrific how we're, we have to start paying our teachers like they were doctors. I mean, that really is what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. We have to Mayor do what Pete's Finland line, does. But I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's uh, there's a lot we have to do. Yeah, there is. And uh, I think it starts with uh, beating Donald Trump. 1, now, I don't percent. mean to be partisan here. Before Trump came in, we were already behind the eight ball, and he's made it so much worse, you know, by exponentially worse, by gutting so many programs, by, by I mean, look, we're living it right now with this coronavirus uh, threat. People are listening to this podcast, you know, a week, 10 days after we Well, thank recorded. God. The, 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 thank uh, God for Mike Pence. Uh, well, <laughs> and also the vaccine, evidently. Uh, on I think it's on Trump's hunch. Yes, is going to be uh, ready any any day. Well, we now. probably won't need it because the president has also said April. this thing's going to go away by itself. Yeah, the the yeah. Uh, when it warms up. Yeah, exactly. The, it's this done. Virus cannot survive spring. That's exactly well, not spring in America. <laughs> you know, when people think about how many areas of their own lives, and and this you know goes back to some of the books that you wrote early on that. Uh, such a big fan of and stuff that sort of got me energized to really make sure that I was involved and that if I ever I swore to myself if I ever had a platform that was big enough I had to use my voice in my circle to call out for the things that were were right because we have just chipped away at so many different areas of our lives that now the list of problems of sort of where you start right what the sequencing is especially in the era of Trump if we get to a post Trump America What's that going to look like? What do you start to, you know, address first? Because the list is growing and growing and growing. And that's why the importance of this election in November is so crucial. And it's another reason when I'm asked why I wanted to do What's Eating America. You know, I was trying to sell it for the last three or four years. And, you know, I had gone to Oh, well, you do voter suppression. We do voter suppression. We tackle some really big issues. Um, and, you know, but look, even the addiction issue, which the first half of the addiction issue, we just document my story. And then we turn into some restaurant solutions and some things and like you that. you were a friggin' mess. I was a mess. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. My yeah. God. Yeah. I was a complete and total mess. I was a homeless, you know, thief. I was a user of people and a taker of things. And I I wanted to address addiction. You know, we had we had 40 episodes we could have done as the first five. Uh, we chose immigration and healthcare, climate change, uh, addiction and voter suppression for a whole variety of reasons, some of them institutional, just to the making of engineering television production. You know, where are we well, going to be able to be? The immigration one is so much about our food. It's all about our food. Our it, food system food, stops it, if you take immigrants. Forget about taking illegal immigrants. I mean, over 50% of our workforce are immigrants. And, and I'm not talking about just farms. Everyone thinks we're talking about the United Farm Workers in California. Well, we're not. I mean, everywhere. Crabs, crab pickers, know. truckers, meat packers, you know, people on ships pulling squid out of, you know, the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Rhode Island. I mean, every single person. And of that group, 70% as much uh, are illegal. We have huge number of uh, jobs that are needed. Every single food producer of every kind we spoke to. I mean, this is in the many dozens. We we're only able to profile eight or nine in the show. Every single person said to us, we need more workers. We have the ability to get more food out of the ground and, by the way, waste less. So feed more people. And we have 24 percent of America is hungry and we're able to waste less. Right. 
by not having to till under fields or not having to use machines when we could use hands and all the rest of that, we could actually be improving the food life for the disadvantaged in America, but we can't because we don't have enough workers. And by the way, all those people, you know, south of our borders, you know, outside of our borders, want to come in here and do those jobs. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. document them they ever, to a person. Everyone says, yeah, I was able to spend my three Minnesota, kids to college. Minnesota farmers, orchards. Yeah. <laughs> They all rely. Absolutely. That's why they are for the immigration reform bill, both the Farm Bureau and the That's right. Farmers Union. Well, now they're doing H-2B and A, uh, you know, as uh, well, H-2B is a lottery system in some years. And the the fourth generation crab company owner, lovely young lady who we profiled. Yeah. The crab that she has her pickers pick is the crab that served at Trump Grill because Jose Andres and I went undercover with our little phone cameras and documented that. We traced the crab well, back. Well, but he's very careful about hiring. Uh, undo- oh, wait a minute. No, no he he's isn't. Not. Yeah. No. Yes. Jose is very careful about it and is in full compliance in his 32 restaurants. You know, Donald Trump, whether it's at his his vineyard, his restaurants, his, you know, golf, golf clubs, everywhere. I mean, we had Jesus Lira, the chef from the country club that he has in Westchester, on telling us about how the Trump organization were actually the ones that helped him get the papers that he needed to stay in that job. And then ultimately, when the president had to do more extensive background checks because of the pressure on him, they summarily fired him. Um, and we were able to uh, sequester him and shoot an interview with him that is one of my favorite parts of that episode. But with, without without immigrants of all kinds, our food system falls apart. And this this crab company owner, you know, details how- It's a family business. Yes, been there for four generations. She says, we have 108 people live in this town. I need 114 over the course of a summer. If I employed the three-year-old babies and the 80-year-old grandmas in this town, I still couldn't get everything picked. And the government's only giving me 50-some-odd workers. So I have people working around the clock. We're paying them extra money, you know, blah, 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 overtime, all this other stuff. And we're paying for it. That adds an extra, whatever, 50 cents a pound onto the cost of crab. We are shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, forget about the all the other, you know, the, the moral imperatives. Just from an, an economic standpoint, Jose says it so well in the immigration episode. He had a little bit of hope when Trump came in because he thought, well, this guy is a business. Man, so there may be some pragmatism on his part that we actually need these folks since he does employ them, and we couldn't have been more wrong. And he is well. The pragmatism and was a people. different kind of pragmatism, which is his base. Yes, uh, he, he appeals to their Correct. xenophobia. Yeah, yes. So that's his practical. Correct. Correct. And we've we've learned that, and yet another reason. We need him to. We're, we're not going to be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish as a country here. And the 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 the, the reference I was making to lying liars is the this that's act, uh, lies and lying liars who tell them a fair correct. and balanced look at the right. That is correct. The thing that I pull out of there is you know we we look at how many people are. We just look at the West Virginian coal miners. I mean, we're going to go down there, uh, I think, in season two. I love West Virginia. I fell in love with West Virginia. I've looked at land in West Virginia. I I just am so in love with that state and its people for so many, so many reasons. And, you know, over the course of the campaign, when you have someone who comes in there and says, we're, we're going to make sure coal stays. I mean, what a false bill of goods to oh, try yeah. to win a couple of electoral college points. It is it is. 
it is the worst kind of lying to people who really believe the folks that come into their small little town. There's no cities in West Virginia. There's no, the capital city is a town. You know, there's not a high rise building in that state. We have you have people who, you know, in that state who still hunt in the evening for their breakfast and hunt in the morning for their dinner. You have hardest working most beautiful folks who believe that people come into their towns and tell them the truth. And I felt like I, I was so angry for lying. To, you you want to try to lie to people like you and me, Al? That's fine. Good luck. Anyway, you know, we're cynical to a fault. But to go in there to these these incredible folks and would, sell them a false bill of goods I would take was, issue with that. Well, you can go ahead. Feel free. But it's a keep going. It, yeah, it's a uh, it is a it is an it's just an it's an abomination. And so th- that's one of the you know, here here's the deal. These are really serious times. I felt like, you know, do I want to go on making uh, a certain type of food TV that's really, uh, you know, seventy five percent entertainment and twenty five percent serious messaging, which I was very proud of. I'm so proud of Bizarre yeah, Foods. I mean, what it was a, it was an incredible show. If I'm going to do something now, I want to do – these are serious times. It calls for serious stories, and I think people are up for it. And the ratings response, the viewer response has been through the roof. So clearly we have touched – we've touched on something. People want to hear stories told a different way. I think it was the same thing with your books and, you know, the radio that you did and all the stuff that you did uh, before the Senate. I just think people hear – the podcast now is – I mean, this – People want to hear their information lots of different ways, and everyone processes information differently. So I think we need lots of voices and lots of mediums. I think that uh, has been a strength of mine. Yes. You know, the thing about now we have this uh, coronavirus, obviously, this crisis. And in a crisis, you know, the most important thing that a president has is his credibility. Yes. The idea that... Um, despite all of the insane, I mean, school shooting, I mean, you're really big, big issues in our country that needed to be addressed where we needed leadership. That sort of giant sized, you can't escape it crisis. You can't sweep it under the rug. It's there for everyone to see. It's going to be affecting every American in every town, everywhere across this country, ultimately. And, and, uh, and, this pandemic, soon to be called pandemic, maybe by the time this is aired, it will officially be called a pandemic. I don't think it officially is yet. Well, um, you know, let's it's knock heady. on wood, but it, we think. Well, with Mike Pence at the tiller, I'm really, I'm really, I mean, we got 75. We're the richest country, the most sophisticated culture in the history of civilization. And we've got 75,000 kits that, by the way, don't even detect the virus in its early stages. So you could use the kit. It can give you a clean bill of health on day two or three. But you got to do the test again on day six and seven. I think he he the first three years, he walked between raindrops in more ways than one. And I'm hoping that some of this uh, stuff we're going through, th- that people have to die no, we we for want to, we're the rooting, attention to be getting. We're rooting for Trump to be right. <laughs> yes, but it's kind of I'm skeptical yes. that that'll be the case. Yes, sadly he's he's. I mean, not. the latest thing was that people who have it are just you know are just relaxing. Yeah, some going home, some yeah. going to work. Yeah. And it's just fine. And, to, and today uh, it's, it's going, going to be better because they're going to be not traveling and spending their money in America. 
Yeah. That was, I mean, that one just got, you know, today. And I, and you're you're getting, you know, because thanks to, you know, our smartphones, you know, you have people transmitting on YouTube what it's like to be, you know, self-quarantining in your own house. I mean, this is a horror show. It's a horror show. Yeah. So well, let's. But we know, wish it well in all his future endeavors. No, I'm just saying <laughs> I hope that this thing isn't as bad as it yes. uh, looks like it could be. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Andrew Zimmern after this word from somebody. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You had a cooking question? A food question? Yes, here is my question. This is completely no, no, no. It's on topic. It's about food. I'm a pretty good cook. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. But I have a very limited repertoire. Yep. And like most good home cooks. Yeah. Because you end up cooking the ten, twelve, fourteen things that you're good at regularly. Yeah. That's it's not even ten, happens. twelve, fourteen. It's what two, do you got? Four, six, six something okay, like that. Okay, six. that's great. It's fine. Um, and those things I make great. Yeah. But how do I expand that? Really easy. It's just it's What's the, the best it's the way work to do that, that nobody is willing to do. And I always use the golf course metaphor. I have friends that are really lousy golf players. So during the off season, they go to the range once a week, usually on weekends. They have a putting green in the house and they'll putt fifty balls a night just to Keep the swing going so they don't have to work out any bad habits once the weather warms up and they head out onto the course where they try to play several times a week. So I have lots of people, and these are people who say, I love golf. What's your big hobby? Golf is my big thing. I work during the day. I've got my kids. I do all this kind of stuff, but my thing is golf. So I have lots of folks say to me, same thing. I've got my kids, I've got this, but my thing is cooking. I love cooking. Cooking is my favorite hobby. It's what I want to do. It's my yoga on Sundays. I love cooking. And I say, that's fantastic. And they all say the same thing to me. So what do I need to do to just up to get to that, whatever that next right. level is? And I say, you have to cook something that you've never cooked before twice a week. That's you look in magazines, look online, just to get a recipe and cook something you've never cooked before. Now, yes, you're going to be going back and forth, looking at the piece of paper or looking at your phone or your iPad, whatever it is. Yes, it's going to take, you're going to, oh, is that two onions? Is that two cups of onions? And you're going to be slow to put it out the first time, right? right. I got and it. it may not turn out 100% the first okay. time. Okay. But if you do it a second time, you'll be much faster at it and 
nine times out of 10, it's going to work out great. And if you choose food that you like to eat, you know, for example, if you like Thai food, get a good Thai recipe online. There's tons of them, right? We have amazing recipes, thousands at andrewzimmern.com. And uh, what, you how can do, get that's andrewzimmern.com. Yes. Okay. Tons of recipes. Um, and then here's the other thing. The biggest problem with home cooks is speed. Every time I go to a friend's house and I'm making like uh, cacovin, chicken braised in red wine with some carrots and onions and some garlic and some herbs, yeah. super simple. The oven does 90% of the work. Mm-hmm. Brown the chicken, pour in the wine, you know, sweat your vegetables, add them, throw in a bouquet garni, throw it in the oven for 90 minutes. It comes out, pull the chicken, reduce the sauce for 10 minutes. Put the chicken back in the pot and serve it. I mean, it doesn't get any easier. Okay, reduce. But the reason people don't make it yes. is because they, well, I've got to cut four carrots and two ribs of celery and two onions. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? They're like, oh, my God, that takes me half an hour. So, again, it's like putting. I tell people all the time, carrots are not expensive. Onions are not expensive. And they freeze. And you can use them to make soup at the end of the week. Cut three carrots into dice and and uh, I love matchsticks. I love cutting vegetables. Yeah. Speed up your knife skills. I make a lot of skills. salads. Yeah. Speed up your – work on your knife skills. That's the big thing that people don't do. If you are a savory cook – I'm ex- yes – Pastry chefs, please don't send me angry letters. I know you use knives as well and cut things. But if you are focused primarily on savory cooking and not desserts, you need to speed up your knife work because it makes the cooking time go by three times as fast. Which means you need sharp knives. And you have to practice it. So just practice. Cut some onions and and, uh, carrots. And then at the end of the week, take them out of the freezer, saute them. You know, add some broth, puree it, and you have a lovely carrot soup. But within two, three weeks, you will be so much faster with your knife. If you do those two things, cook new foods twice a week and practice your knife skills, everyone, you, you will jump three or four levels ahead in your culinary skill. If you want to jump five levels ahead, you'll go to andrewzimmer.com and watch my how-to videos. Do you like that shameless plug? It's. I it's asked decent. you. I asked you. You know, it was decent. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Wasn't bad. At okay, me. that was a good question, though. Wasn't it was a great it? question because I think most people who love to cook don't ask that question. How do I get better? I, I find in my own life I have to ask. Asking for help is a sign of strength, not of weakness, and I have to remind myself of that all the time. Here's the thing: food touches all of our lives. Food is the cultural totem that defines us. Math is great, but if you try to steal someone's quadratic equation, they will let you have it. Music, if someone tries to steal my favorite mixtape from college, I'm going to punch him in the face, but I'm not going to get that upset. You take away rice, you take away bread. That is the stuff that revolution is made of when you look back through human history. Food is something that we swim in daily for those of us, because there are two food Americas now, haves and have-nots. We have a significant portion of the population that does not eat, is not eating, does not know where their next meals are coming from. And there are two food Americas. And uh, it is, I think, incumbent upon us to uh, not pull the wool over people's eyes, you know, in those centerfolds of food magazines that show the $10 million house in Nantucket and the table just breaking under the weight of all the steamers and lobster and corn cobs and kids playing. And, you know, we're getting away from that, thank goodness. Um but we are leaving people behind. Eating well in America has become a class privilege. That is a serious, serious, you know, serious problem because it is the stuff. Hunger 
hunger is something that just may undo us. And so food, no matter how we talk about it, whether we joke about it, uh, whether we tell stories about our kids, whether we tell stories about serious issues like we do on What's Eating America, food is the stuff that defines us. And breaking bread with other people helps us understand the other side, which is something that we need to do in this country more and more. You know, my, my daughter is a chef. She went to the French Culinary mm-hmm. Institute. She taught third grade right out of college for in the Bronx for three years. Mm-hmm. And then she went to culinary school. And instead of becoming a sous chef in a restaurant or something like that, she taught kids yeah. how to cook. Yeah. And um, so important. And thankfully, there are jobs like that available. You don't have to go into the restaurant business. And the importance of that was she saw how her kids ate. Yeah. And for too many kids, uh, dinner is a hot dog and a Coke. Yeah. And so... Or a package of peanut butter cheese crackers and a Coke. Yeah. Because that's what you can buy at the Dollar General store that is replacing all the supermarkets in in America. I mean, right. small town supermarkets are disappearing. We cover this in our health uh, and food episode, uh, you know, at an astonishing rate, and they're disappearing identically. Food deserts. Map overlay to places where Dollar General stores move into town. Mm. Yeah, it's epically horrible. Well, everybody, um, you know, eat well. Yes. Eat healthy. Help your neighbor eat well. Exactly. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients. Popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.